You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Cycles. Cycles. 
I told you last week, Christmas started with a promise uh, 4,000 years before Christmas. The story of Christmas actually started with a promise to a man named Abram, who was eventually the Abraham in a nation called Israel. And what happened after this promise was made is they began uh, to live and get stuck in cycles of insanity and dysfunctional living. That's what happened. And you see through the Old Testament this repeat of hysteria and heartbreak and disappointment and anger and stupidity. And I told you last week, we look at Israel a lot of times, and Christians and the church a lot of times is always the good guys, and they weren't always the good guys, just like you and I were always the good guys. So they got stuck in these cycles. And here's what the cycle was. You can see it. It was, it was some version of this. They would get in these holes and these heartbreaking situations. Most of them they put themselves in. And, and they would thank God to get them out of after they finally admitted they were down. They actually had to face consequences and really look in the mirror. And they would be, whether it was in, in slavery to other nations or whether they had internal dysfunction that made them live in constant chaos. Sound familiar? Um, I'm just saying, I'm going to hit this. It's got to hit you because you have a history too. We all do. And, um, and so they would get in these situations and God would get them out of them. They would get them out of it. They would rescue. He would rescue them and they would praise God. Thank God. You know, just like we do, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And the best is yet to come, but not because you say it, but it is something you do and you obey Him and you practice it. And so what happened is He would get them out of these holes. They would praise God, thank God, you know, come to church a little bit more regularly when you really need Him real bad. Uh, and, uh, and actually be honest with your spouse and your boss and everybody around you and not hold people in the dark when you're hurt and not okay. So we do that when we're desperate. And what happened is they would get themselves, just like we do, the cycle would continue and they would get them, they would be complacent and they would, they would, they would slowly, because we never just make a dumb decision. The dumb decisions, the big ones in our life, we don't make over time. We make small decisions day by day and happen over years. And so what happens is they would end up back in the same process that they would do what was right in their own eyes. And so this complacency would cause them to end up back in the same cycles, the same seasons. Typically, they would dig a hole even deeper because, let's face it, it magnifies generations to generations. And if you don't begin to break your cycles, your kids and your grandkids, it will be worse for them than it is for you. Because that's just painful. That ain't punishment from God. That's us. They were in the cycle. All of those survived the Old Testament. So some of them, I'm trying to do a little dance up here, but that's what it was. It sound familiar? Sound familiar? Your emotional situation, financial, mental, your life, your marriage, your, your relationships with your friends and family and kids and everything else. It was this roller coaster ride. So cycles. They were in cycles. And what I want you to see is this story of history, the story of Christmas does not start with what we're going to be talking about on Christmas Eve at this. By the way, if you haven't invited your family to worship, you better go ahead and tell them because it's going to be awesome up in this club Christmas Eve, 9 on 3 to 3 p.m. But I want to tell you the backstory because a lot of us, we like to get to the highlight where we like to get to the mountaintop, but you got to learn from your history first. And so they would always end up back in these holes because of the cycles that they were stuck in because 
they were stuck in cycles and you are stuck in cycles. If we see Israel as this archaic story that is out of touch with our lives, but it is not at all. They had the same issues and got stuck in the same cycles that every one of us does. And I'm going to show you today. We like to talk about now, it's the near times, man. It's just different. The Bible says this was going to happen. It's always been happening. You know why? Because we are in the ruin on the planet. I can't stand it. I'm like, well, what's happening different? It's always happening. Ain't nothing changed. Culture's changed a little bit because we got a little better at the craft that we do and covering it up. The world's bigger. But the stuff that we're scared of, the stuff that you're angry about, the stuff in the world, the stuff in your life, ain't nothing changed. It's still the same. Say cycles. They live in cycles. We live in cycles. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you to the, I'm going to go to Judges chapter 2, and I'm going to tell you this, your patterns in your life, the patterns that you allow, that you tolerate, that you won't deal with, that is the reason that God hasn't done much in your life and that you haven't experienced much of the presence and promise of God. It is your safe cycles. It's your cycles. I'm going to bring you today because I'm still got some people like that ain't fair, that ain't fair. No, life ain't fair, but you get to stay stuck in your cycles and not in cycles. You will get stuck in your history if you don't break out of your cycle. Not just true for Israel, it is true for every one of us. And there is not just a beautiful part of Christmas, there is a very tragic part that I'm going to show you today because God wants you to break out of some cycle. There's some people in here, you don't think you've done all that many things, that many mistakes, you've been in church your whole life, I'm telling you, there's some cycles that are structured what God really wants to do in your heart and life, and you are very, very superficial in your relationship with God. And whatever your cycle is, it is all the same because we all have them, and we tolerate them, and we don't deal with them and do anything about them. Say cycles. I want to take you to Judges chapter 2. This is just one example of the history of Christmas, and unfortunately, it's not mature this great. For many of us, it is our current situation, but the hope of Christmas is it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And I want to take you to this season that's a good example of the cycles that Israel lived in. It is the season of judges. And I'll, 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 I'll explain it as we go through. Uh, so cycles. After the generation, after that generation died, it goes from generation to generation. There's a lot of things that are God's fault and not his punishment for their own choices. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. We forget where we came from. We forget we got us there. Whether you're struggling or whether you're successful, winning and losing many times, we tend to forget who got us there and who can get us out of where we are. And they forgot where they came from. And this was a cycle in the, in the period of the judges where God would raise up leaders called judges, men and women who would take them out of the holes because God always uses people. And he would use people to take them out and they would sink right back in the holes. And it says that Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They forgot where they came from. They went on to other gods. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. Watch this. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of their people of the people around them say culture. 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 
See, what happens is you let culture define what success is in your life. It is no different all these years later. They worship the gods, the values of the people around them, the culture around them. So the reason we have men that are killing themselves and are constantly packing out the prisons is because culture puts this pressure on men, and the church does too, that if they don't provide a certain amount of living, and if they don't do this for their kids and their family, they can love Jesus, but they're not worthy. And so you have men that do what men do, what humans do, and they break. You either beat yourself up or everybody else, or you run. So we got men who are either angry or they're abandoning their family, and it is culture that is defining what you think manhood is in your life. Women, we got women. If you go, we look at we look at politicians and women and female leaders that uh, because they didn't have kids and were career people that they they're bad. Well, maybe that, maybe that's not what God wired them to want as a child, but that doesn't make it worse just because God called you to be a mom. See, we let culture define success for us, and what happens is whether it's sports, money, respect, you are shooting and you are inspired by the standard of culture for a fulfilling life, and I'm going to tell you, it will sabotage your life, your peace. It is a And so Israel will end up back here, sabotaging their own stories and history. God made the promise generations before that Christmas is a Savior, a Messiah, a blessing, and he was continuing that process and promise, and they were completely living and stuck and enslaved in cycles, and the Bible says, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve uh, Baal and images of Ashkelon. I want you to see this. Uh, we have not to idol worship as an outdated. We've just gotten really better at making it look pretty. I don't really look at I don't know, like, you know, we see Moses, you know, uh, uh, raising up a calf for them to worship. See, here's the thing I learned about people, and then because I am one, is uh, we get better. We get better at making things look pretty. And so what happens these thousands of years later is we your idol worship is, is probably more predominant now than ever. We just, you don't think it's bad. And honestly, we do, we do, we, we do idols in work in church. Success, respect. It don't, look, it don't look stupid to you anymore because we have gotten so good at covering things up. We have sophisticated idols now. We have sophisticated Just like the opioid epidemic. Some people don't make deals, they just say stuff to this. You can't even have a conversation with your family and watch a TV show without somebody checking the messages. We just got better at it, but we haven't gotten better at it. It is power, respect, money. Your body is not your temple, it's your God, and you know it. That's why you go to the gym way too much. That's why you don't eat things that you want to eat because you, I guess you don't even have to make something that you love in 10 years. You go to the gym 17 times a week. That is not your body being a temple. That is your, that is an idol is what your body is. And what happens when you make an idol is your soul and spirit is hollow and bankrupt and your body just looks amazing, but it is a shell. It is a shell, as my mom used to call it. You want to look up your real idols? I mean, everybody in the heart, including myself, because I do it. I look at it because I want to see the truth. Look at your credit card statements and what you're overspending on. There's your idol. Plastic is what we got now. 
We don't, we don't have to build a statue. You can buy that statue with plastic, and it's online. You don't even need to buy anything there anymore. It's just got you uh, thousands of dollars in debt that you're going to spend the rest of your life paying off. And I can give you great gifts. It gives nothing, and you're going to buy more credit cards because, let's face it, they make money off you uh, paying to your debt. So, titles and cycles. Cycles. Sports. Got some incredible athletes, but you will literally run yourself into the ground. Your feet. Because you don't let them, you don't let God do, do, do some things in their life. Idols can be a million different things. I got my own. I got a little pepper shirt next week to show you mine. That's why I don't keep it in my house. Because I ain't trying to eat my idols all day because they'll kill me. The beginning. And it says, This made the Lord burn. God's anger isn't our anger. He doesn't he, uh, he doesn't act a fool out of uh, not being controlled. He has righteousness. He sees our heart and we can do that. I'm gonna show you that in a minute. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. Oh, I want you to see this. Who stole who stole their possessions? He turned them over to their enemies. By the way, if you're new here, your bulletin has all the scriptures outlined on the phone on the screen. And they were no longer able to resist it. You know how the Bible promises that that, that if you will fight armies like they're you will beat them like they're one man out of army? Well there's also times where God sets them up to be defeated like they're the one man out of army. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them. Woo! God will fight against you when you're constantly fighting against yourself and sin for the living cycles. He ain't going to bless you when you can't handle it and ain't ready for it. Causing them to be defeated just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. But let me tell you, God will take the possessions that are possessing you. Now, I probably need to be in this right now, but I'm going to tell you, God will take what is, he will take from you what is wrong with you from him. That anybody knows I just made that up. He will take from you what is robbing you from him. Thank you, thank you. So I'll read the outline. So I promise I have to do it this way. You won't get the promotion. You'll lose the job. Some of you Some of you lose everything. Because God knows that the cycles that you're stuck in are suffocating. The life, the promise, the peace, and the potential right out of you. And He loves you too much to let you stay stuck there. So He will fight against you and against you so that you will break out of the things that are enslaving your life. And He is a God for promise, peace, and freedom. Listen to the judges, but prostituting themselves by worshiping other gods. 
you don't like being called out on your cycles. And so what you do is you push everybody away. You blame them. You take shots at them. You are not honest or accountable. So what happens is we do it all the time. You prostitute yourself with the pride. So you go deeper in your hole just to prove your parents wrong when they were right. You had a train wreck of a relationship and you could have ran from it a year ago, but you wanted to prove your parents wrong because you don't like their thing. You find it in here right now. Why are you doing that? No, you do it to all parents, wrong people. Old people, grown people, they got more experience than you, even if they ain't all that wise, they've been here longer. We do it, we push away, we push away. We do the same thing, it says they did it too. Y'all notice I'm teaching a little bit more Western. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors. How quickly we turn away from what God has done for us. What have you done for me lately, God? What about my next goal, my next pay rate? How quickly we turn away if we don't do what we want from God. Who walked? Who has walked? How quickly we turn away the path of their ancestors who walked in obedience to the Lord's name? Whenever the Lord raised up a judge, that was a, this was before the king and this is judges, leaders that took them out of places and that they were in. Whenever he raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and they rescued, God used them to rescue the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people. He is not mad at you. He just, he's sad. He wants more for you. He always has. He still does. It's always true. He is not angry. He is not punishing you. He wants to push you to more. And you keep pushing back because of Who were burdened by their oppression. He took pity on them because they were burdened by oppression and suffering. You've been living in poverty your whole life. You got money now, but you're still living in poverty because you ain't got no peace. You may not be broke like your parents, but you are emotionally. And nothing changed, but when the, but when the judge died, when the leader they looked to died, when your mama they talked to the love Jesus died. When the, when the leader in your church died, when whoever you look to died, the people that your husband that you put him on the throne and not Jesus, so you sat beside him in church, he drops dead to the tomb, and, and what happens is he says the people return to their corrupt ways because they really, really are connected. Behaving worse than those that, that live before, because I'm going to tell you, cycles get worse, not better, so that's what and it don't take this supernatural power for God. God will do His part. You want to break cycles of addiction and bitterness in your family and poverty? It starts with you. It just takes one person. God will do His part, but one person needs to do this. And they went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. This was an entire season that we call the Book of Judges. And it is no different throughout our history. They just learned to make it look different. And they went up and down, in and out. And God was always there, always fighting for them. He made a promise to them, and he intended to keep it. Because the Bible says he is not a man that he should lie. But the thing is, they got stuck in 
disciples, Baptist church, we make excuses because we blame the method. We say, oh, I'm just getting to season. I just, I just had to, I just had to that my whole life. I didn't have a daddy. I didn't have a mama. I constantly had to fight every battle. I'm just in a season. No, no, you're not. There are some things in your life that you were in a cycle. You were in a pattern of your own making, doing your own thing, doing what is right in your own eyes. And it is the reason you keep getting heartbroken. Heartbroken. You were on three marriages. You were bankrupt for the third time. You don't like anybody. You got a big personality, but you got bigger insecurities. It is because we are stuck in cycles. It is not a season. It is a cycle. This is the, not just the history of Christmas. This is your history. It is my history, and we get to choose if it's going to continue to be our story. I'm as guilty as you are. Can we just raise our hands for I get in this thing real deep? Say, I got a history and I make it about me. Say, I'm selfish sometimes. Say, sometimes, all the time. We do what we're driving our own after we're selfish. We don't even realize you make me even make them hurt about you. Yeah, they hurt you. They hurt you bad. You're still recovering years later. Amen. And I did 
do that sometimes, but I can't stay there. That's a cycle. You, you even make, we make church a lot of us. You look at church, this is American church culture right here. You look at church as you're the customer. By the way, the biggest item in American and world culture, everybody's worried about other religions, consumerism is our religion even in the American church. That's why you'll cut somebody down over not putting mayo on your chicken sandwich. I want mayo on my chicken sandwich, but it ain't worth that much. And I'm going to tell you, it's so ingrained in you, you don't even know if you're entitled because consumerism is an idol in our country and in our world and in our church. That's why people, that's why people get mad at preachers. All they do is talk about money. No, they just, they're a consumer. Not a Christian. Not first a Christian. You love Jesus, you just like consuming, consuming things more. That's why, that's why you'll spend all your extra on Christmas trying to keep up appearances. But anyway, back to church. You see church as a, you see, you see church, you are a consumer. You are, you come here to receive, not that you have something worth giving to other people. And that's why we get our feelings hurt because in a country and a culture where we cut somebody out because they didn't refill our drinks enough. And I, I know I put my waitresses and waiters to work, but I can't get mad. See, you see it, we are a customer driven culture. And so you don't see yourself as a contributor, which is why if it's too hot or too cold in this mug, or if I say something that hurts your feelings and you don't like it, you don't want to grow, what you do is you take off to another church. That's why you've been to 17 churches. You may even married seven years. And what, or worse than that, now we don't even do that because we live in a culture you can say what you want when you want, call it free speech, but don't call it Christian. And what will happen is, what we do is we need to go with anti-church, and we say, the church ain't got nothing for me. You hear what you say? Me. Ain't got nothing for my family. That's why I'm watching the church online, just because you're scared of being a crowd. Now, if you fall away or you sit today with COVID, I love you. I will see you when you don't have COVID. But I'm going to tell you, it was made about a cycle. Say cycles. This is the cycles we get stuck in. Cycles. You, you, you care too much about what other people think is why you constantly say you don't care what other people think. I believe y'all protest too much. You care. That's why you all constantly have to say you don't. And you eat terribly. You take terrible care of yourself. Um, uh, you can't say no. You always say yes. Uh, and you never ask for help because you were self-reliant. You hear that word self, and you end up mad at the world because they don't take the initiative that you take, but nobody asks you to take it, neither did God. We make it about us. We just got better at making it look pretty and wrapping a little verse around it because it took out the context of Jericho. Christmas ain't some warm, fuzzy holiday. There are principles and promises that will change your life if you look at it for more than just chestnuts roasting on more than an open fire. We make excuses, not changes. And the cycle repeating in the Old Testament. It repeats over. And it's the same in your life, it's the same cycle. We go through the same cycles, and even if we look at cycles look different, the motives. Survival of the word. When you stay on the sidelines too long, you try to you went from healing to you've enabled yourself with nothing, it's all the same stuff. And what happens is same cycle, 
de tu ley, de tu ley, de tu Israel, and for many of your families, it's a different generation now, but it is the same cycle, say cycles. Can I just go deeper for a minute? I know, like, I'm not taking the part today, but I want Christmas. I want you to sit at the table this Christmas with your family, whether you like them or not. And I want you, I want you, I said it, you feel it, I want I said it. I want you to sit at your table with whoever you don't like or whoever doesn't like you, and I want you to hear the true principles and the hope of Christmas because it'll change your life. It'll change your peace and your perspective, and you won't let people take from you. You also won't try to get ticked off when they do. You have peace and love and humility. Sometimes that looks like boldness, but you got it. I want to say dangerous. See, they were angry, just like you were angry. The very last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. This is about 400 years before Christmas, and Jesus came along as a man. Over the last week, he was always there, and I've showed you that. But he came as a man, and this is what God says. I have loved you, Jesse. Whatever you're dealing with, even the person that Jesus has it right now. Listen to me, Lord. No matter how bad you're hurting, I just made their anxiety. They can't stay still now. I'd be the same way. Somebody come out and tick me and blip. They do not have to go off alone. This ain't about you like me. I have loved you, sister. Man, anybody had no whatever you're doing. Whatever you didn't get this year. Whatever's breaking your heart. Israel had been hit this thing in these cycles for years, thousands of years at this point. And God says to the prophet Malachi, he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, Israel, you say, Adonis. And if you're afraid to say, you live it every single day. How have you loved? I have loved. They're tired. They're tired. They're spinning their wheels and being stuck in cycles for so many generations and years. And they would know. Never been there. I've been there. I've been on this stage before and just wanted to feel something. I had to give everybody else something in threes. I've sat in counseling offices in the week having to give, give, give of myself. And I felt nothing. I had nothing to give. And I just got, I just want to feel something. You ever felt that numb and skeptical? Some of you are sitting there right now. And you don't even have the strength to amen me, but you were right there with me. Heartbroken, and they were broken and broken. And broken. Hey, they just said, Hey, King, King God says, I have loved you. I loved you, Israel. How have you loved me? Some of you right now, you don't even believe anymore. You have no faith left. You say you believe. You more believe. You come to church every Sunday. But you don't believe. Not anymore. You lost your faith in me. Now just keep going back. By the way, if you lose your faith in me, then you lost your faith in God. I hate when people say, I just lost my faith in humanity. Well, well, there goes your faith too. Because so Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. That's it. That's what you say. If you, if you say you love Jesus, you got no choice but to feel that way. You don't have to be afraid of it. You can be angry about it. But if you don't have any faith in people, you don't have faith in God's creation. That's what I'm done. You don't have faith in God. I'm done with that. I got to stay on track. I've been preaching too long. Um, some of you just don't even know what I'm saying. You'll admit it. 
and I love people, people that get scared. I love teenagers that have to be with them because their parents are scared because they don't even believe anymore. I'm like, hey, let's eat some pizza. Because I love it that you're doubting your faith right now because you'll have true death where most people follow Jesus their whole life and never think they need to surface. So sometimes death in your life starts with saying, do I even believe this anymore? And sometimes you get heartbroken to the place you have to question everything. And that's not a bad place to be. Don't get scared about it. Some of you right now, you've got no faith. You'll say it. Some of you, you came here because your grandmama loved you and asked you to, but you don't got no space for God in your life. How can you love? What's he say? How? Just like Israel, they're just like us. We're people. How have you loved me? I pray for a miracle that I plan to feed. My kids didn't get raised in a broken home. They're still broken by addiction. All these kids, they got addictions. Usually they have no daddy and mama. No, they got a solid one. I did everything I could. They were in church every week. I tried my best, and they're still. Some of you, your children aren't here today because they owe me. And, and you are like, what happened? How can you love I was sexually abused, and they're still walking. and got no accountability. They're out there acting like nothing happened, and there's been nothing. My, my spouse left me, left me, and cheated on me. And there's not just no accountability. I'm not going to raise my kids by myself. How have you loved me? I don't feel it. I don't see it. And God told Israel and every one of you, whatever you are in your faith, I have loved you. Some things in your life are going to happen that are unfair. There's some things that were unfair that happened to you. You didn't have a dad. You never had an example. You spanked you. You were 50 or 60 years old. You figured out how to be human because there was no examples in your life. And it's bad. There's things that just, they're not fair that you had to bury them too soon. It is not fair that you had to go bankrupt. It's not fair that people have put you in a place and they are, they did you wrong and everybody thinks you're the wrong wrong about it. It is not fair. There are things in life that are going to happen that are not fair. They don't make sense. The heartbreak you had to experience, the people you had to tell goodbye too soon. There are things that happen that are not fair and do not make sense. But the things that keep happening in your life, those are the things you can control. They keep happening because of the choices you keep making and the changes you have in your sex life. everybody away. You got bad temper, you blow up things, you sabotage relationships, you don't know how to manage your money. You're up and down, in and out, and here's the thing, things are going to happen to all of us that are not fair, that break our hearts, that set us way back. But the things that we can't control, that we keep doing and allowing and repeating and won't change, that's all. So I can't speak to the things that are the tragedies in your life that don't make sense. But what I can say is you choose to spend the rest of your life drinking your problems away. Don't blame God for those. 
alcohol poisoning. It's cirrhosis of the liver and the fact that you can't even you can't even think straight because of years of addiction that you have to spend a year now getting out of because you believe that God has a plan. Don't blame him for that because it's the things we keep. Disciples we keep them in. When you're angry in Israel was so angry and so empty after thousands of years of trying to follow God and living in cycles just like we do our entire lives. And Jesus shows up on the scene. Like him. Shut the door. They were angry. Why? How are you loved? And I mentioned to you that 400 years we call the intertestamental period with our intertestament period. And it is the 400 years of silence because he ended Malachi and said, I do not change. But every parent, there comes a time that you have to take your hands off your kids and you have to let hell fall on them. You, because God spent years and generations saving them. But it wasn't worth it. And he is a father, and sometimes you have protected your kids and overcompensated, and you don't pull your hands off. And I don't know if they're going to receive it in line, but I know that it ain't working what you're doing constantly, getting them out of trouble and paying too much and not letting them learn. And we see in the Bible that that 400 years, he says, I've loved you. He was reminding Israel, I love you and I do not change. But he took his hands off. And so that 400 years of silence, is this the history of Christmas? You really want to hear that? It ain't true. 400 years in between the end of the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm just, I can't even tell you the tragedy because God was working, but he was no longer rescuing them. He was there, but they didn't feel it and they didn't see it because he said, I love you. But this ain't right. And God knows what works and what doesn't. He works on our terms to pay down. Us, this is what happened in that 400 years. Uh, you read about a guy named Alexander the Great in the stories, right? Right. Alexander the Great, the great Greek conqueror, Alexander the Conqueror, he conquered Jerusalem. They were conquered several times. The Maccabeans did it in that 400 years. You see Hanukkah's birth all that, those years of just absolute hell. But here's the most heartbreaking one. You want to hear it on the radio? How it hits us in American culture? Alexander the Great was one of the most genius conquerors of all time. And he saw the mistakes of Egypt. They were never able to kill all of Israel. They tried, so he did something different. Every time the father took his hands off all of them. Because that with us. It's there, but you don't feel it. Alexander the Great had this bright idea. He said, no, if they love their enemies, they love their loved ones. So instead of kill them all because everybody tried that and you know, all the nations couldn't do it, they're not here anymore. Israel is, and so what he did is he got his group men to rape the women for generations, and he mixed them and he polluted or diluted or whatever the word is that word. And you see Samaritans in the Bible. That was mixed group of Greek and Jew, and that's why Jews hated 
cadence and narratives. The New Testament isn't written, written in Hebrew, it's written in Aramaic. While Bill Gibson and his movie chose to write in Aramaic, but Jesus spoke that language. Do you know what Aramaic is? It's half Greek and half Hebrew. Greek were still Alexander the Great and the way he manipulated and, and what he did to them was still when the Roman Empire, when Jesus comes on the scene in the manger, the Roman Empire is in power, but Alexander the Great, what he did to him, did to them, still remained. They were heartbroken. You want to talk about racism in this country and the scars of our country from slavery and us trying to constantly not address issues that are affecting us still to this day? Don't read about the Samaritan history and why Jesus went to that well with that Samaritan woman in which they had made it, why the legislature was watching. In this 400 year period, by the end of it, the heartbroken, nothing left. And Jesus comes on that first Christmas and he is writing for them. And the promise is finally there. And they are so broken because they continue their cycles and cycles and cycles and he's right in front of them. The promise that was made to Abraham and their people was right in front of them and they didn't even see it. Because when you admit in your cycles of bitterness and pride and brokenness for so long and you blame everybody and God and everything for the things that you keep choosing to stay in, deep inside in pride and bitterness. And what those two things do is they blind you from what's in front of you and they kill what God has for you. No different. Jews were blinded to the Savior and the promise God sent and they kill him on the cross. And if you continue to live in bitterness and, 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 and pride and insecurity, and you're constantly going to make excuses, and you're not going to change and trust the God. See, we love Jesus, but we don't like doing what he said. And pride and bitterness will rob you and blind you. It will blind you of the blessing right in front of you, and it will kill the promise God has for you, just like it did them. There is no difference. Jesus said to feed the enemy Still 
in play. Because why? The God of the Bible is the God who is on the hospital. For Solomon's generation, Joshua, Moses, the great leader, one of the greatest leaders of the Old Testament, he led Israel, he led Israel out of slavery, right? And, uh, and, and, and they, he led them to the cusp of the promised land. I'm telling you, every story is our story. He led them to the cusp of the promised land that God promised for them to. And he, he dies. He's not able to take it. The greatest leader, during the desert, he led them out of Egypt and he's dead. And you know what God says? God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you forward. We're going forward. The people, Jesus' own people, didn't recognize the promise and seek him, but he continued to move forward. And we're blinded, but you don't have to be. They didn't see it, but you don't have to be. Timothy Keller made this comment in his book, and it is so true. He said, you only have two options with Jesus. There's only two. There is no in-betweens. He says, Dr. Timothy Keller says, you need to kill him or not. I'm not saying that from fear. I'm not a fear-driven preacher. I will, not, I will never scare you to do anything. I will never smother you or force you to do anything. But the offers and the promises and the statements that Jesus said, who he said he was, uh, you don't get to go in between. Nobody did in the New Testament. They either killed him, the, the ones that crowned him, followed him, the ones that killed him, put him on the cross. They left or changed. I preach more unapologetically in the place of peace now more than ever because I realize there's something going on more. And when they don't want it, they don't want peace because they know they're just not ready. They're not ready to grow. But I'm going to tell you, you either kill Jesus or you want him. He will not be your casual friend. That's not the offense. That's not what he said. He will not be your latest impulse and hobby because you're trying to find what you're looking for. He either is everything or nothing. He said in Revelation, he said, Man, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm because grabbing on the fence just keeps you in your cycles and say, You ask me to get the blame God because you're dishonest with yourself and you say, You love it, but you really don't believe it. God's promises at Easter still in play. They are still in play in your life. I love you. Says the man. I've always loved you, Catholic Church, says the Lord. I know that you're broken. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're stressed out. I know that you've made some bad decisions and you're stuck in some bad situations right now and you don't know what to do and you're feeling so down and you don't think life can be the same again. Maybe you're older, maybe you're young and you're like, I got my whole life ahead of me and I don't even know where to begin. Listen to me. I have loved you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at iamcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.